We're so glad you've joined us. Right now, it's Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. It's really hard to be thankful when things aren't going well. Let me put it this way. It's really easy to complain when life is hard. Grumbling and complaining when life is hard is like a black hole. I know. It can just swallow me up. Now, the Lord welcomes you and me to pour out our hearts to him, and he invites us to bear each other's heavy weights. So if you're grieving a loss right now, grieve well. We're not talking about grieving and lamenting. We're talking about grumbling and complaining. And when it comes to grumbling and complaining, maybe you agree with me. I don't want to live the rest of my life there. Here's Bible teacher Brad Gray of walkingthetext.com. There's many days where I wake up and the first thing that's on my mind are all the things that aren't going well. Rather than giving God praise and thankfulness and offering gratitude for all the things that are actually going well. Now, what I'm saying here is not that we don't disregard the things that aren't going well. It's just that sometimes I think that they become the dominating narrative of our day or of our life. And I believe it's just this absolute necessity of being grounded in gratitude and being willing to look for the things that we can be grateful for in the midst of our circumstances, especially when they're not going well. Just yesterday, I pulled out my phone and I was looking um, at a couple of posts and there's uh, a particular person that I know who was going through a really hard time and they're connected to this family and everybody has seen recently some things that have come out and they have been just thrown into the spotlight and everybody's aware of something that's happened within their family and it's just been a really, really hard awful situation. And I was so moved by this person's post because they start off and they say, hey, as as many of you know, the last couple weeks have been absolutely awful. And they said, but, and they just listed several things that they were grateful for. And as I was watching that, I was like, yep, grounded in gratitude. Like they're going to be okay because they recognize that we can't allow all the things that aren't going well to dominate our narrative, that we can always begin from a place of gratitude. That's really encouraging to know that if we're thankful people, you know what, we're going to make it. We're going to be okay if we're thankful because we can make it through any circumstance when we're thankful. And here's something to be thankful for. The word says, Give thanks to the Lord. He is good. Okay, so give thanks mm-hmm. to the Lord because he is good always, and his love lasts forever. That is something we can always be so thankful for, and that can just lift us. And here's the thing. Focusing on what we're grateful for takes our eyes off of our circumstances and puts them back on God, where they should be all along anyways. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just experienced this literally just this morning, praying to God, overwhelmed by my circumstances, like ran out of words. I don't even know what to say to you anymore, God. I don't even know what to pray. I don't even know what to ask in this moment. And I just sensed the Holy Spirit saying worship. And I was like, I didn't necessarily want to. Do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't, my heart posture wasn't in a place where I was like, oh yeah, worship is what I need. But I obeyed. Mm-hmm. They put on Spotify and the song that started playing right away was, you know, 
you know, great is your faithfulness, oh God, great is your faithfulness, you know, um, from the setting sun, it goes on. Anyway, just, I was reminded, you know, to keep my eyes focused on Jesus, not get them off the circumstances, because that is a dark hole, right? Yeah. But just keep your eyes on Jesus. He's faithful, he's good, who he was yesterday, he will be tomorrow, and he is right now. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And God talks about his loving kindness, especially in the Hebrew scriptures, his loving kindness. And and his loving kindness is this, when you, you get right down to the ground of it, his loving kindness is, I give my life for yours. That's God speaking to us, my life for yours. And we see this perfectly in the Lord Jesus Christ, his loving kindness to you. He says, I've given my life for yours. Give him thanks. Give him praise. No matter what you're feeling right now, and I'm talking to myself too. Mm -hmm. Shauna knows God's will for your life. I'm not kidding. For real, she knows it. Dude, mic drop right there. God's will for your life is for you to be an optimist. And I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. This is scriptural. So 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. If that isn't optimism, I don't know what is. All. All circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is straight up scripture. This isn't some funky, you know, translation. This is the word of God. This is the NIV. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You need to say it like this. This is God's will for you you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. There you go. All day, son. There you go. Right? Because it's, it's as if God knows something about being grateful and being joyful that we don't know. So this whole idea of we're talking about not complaining this month as we prepare for Thanksgiving, um, that we prepare our hearts to to say to God what we're grateful for and to truly mean it, but also to knock off the whining and the complaining, mm-hmm. to not let our minds ruminate on the negative thinking, but let them think on what is true. And scripture tells us all kinds of things that we can celebrate in the midst of crummy circumstances. We can look at Jesus and we can celebrate and we can truly give thanks in in all circumstances, in the midst of them, not for the circumstances, because optimism isn't a state of affairs. It's a state of the mind. It's what you choose to think about in the midst of the circumstances. So optimism isn't a denial of what's real. It's not just blind faith and saying, I'm not just, I'm not going to think about that. It's not so bad. It's okay. And God's got this. It's being honest, but then praising God in the midst. Yeah. And it's not denying that we're hurting. You know, we can admit our hurts to God. And there's a difference, I think, between grumbling, complaining, and grief and loss. Yes. Yeah. Which is completely fair and healthy and good. You look at the Psalms and you see all kinds of, you know, hey, God, my circumstances are rough, you know, pouring your heart out to God. Why is my heart so downcast? Oh, my soul. Yeah. Psalm 88. It's one of the few Psalms that ends. It doesn't end in victory. Mm Mm-hmm. It ends with the guy still in despair. Right. Sometimes that's the reality. Yeah. But optimism optimism is the unwavering expectation that our loving God is working in every situation for our good. Not just in the good things for our good, but in every situation for our good. And knowing that what consumes our mind is actually going to direct our life eventually. So 
being positive in the midst of the hard things, choosing to think on what is good instead of what is hard and what is difficult. Because whatever you, whatever you feed, that's going to grow. And whatever you starve, that's going to die. So we want to feed our grateful hearts. We want to feed Thanksgiving and we want to, we want to starve the complaining. And you said the word choice. Yeah. And that is so important and it is so hard, but it's life-giving when we choose when we don't feel like it to go against our feelings. Yeah. It is, it is directional what we choose to think on. So if you just picture yourself like at a fork in the road, right? And one road, it's just, it leads nowhere good. It is dark. It is negative. It goes down, right? The other road goes up into the sunshine. You're standing at the fork of the road and you can literally choose what you're going to let your mind think on and what you're going to let ruminate regardless of what the circumstances are in the moment. One of our listeners reached out to us and just shared that they are grateful that their child is currently in jail. They were making choices that were not good, that were harmful. And they said, right now, in the midst Mm -hmm. of our circumstances, we are praising God because we believe that God is working good things in our child's heart right now in jail. And I texted her back and I said, totally. Yes. I see this. I yeah. see God working and I and I just I just ask Jesus right now to just work in his heart, change his heart. Giving thanks in all circumstances, rejoicing always, talking to God about everything that's going on, being honest with him. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you want to join a bunch of other people who are wanting to live this way, It's the abstaining from complaining challenge that's going on this month. And there's just a bunch of people who are wanting to turn their thinking around, make a choice, stand at the fork in the road and choose to give thanks instead of complaining. If you just want a little encouragement along the way, text the word challenge to 800-968-8930, 800-968-8930. And you'll notice that I... Shawna, you'll notice that I have not yet taken the challenge. See, I'm waiting for the <laughs> waiting month to... Until the 29th. There we go. <laughs> yeah. 29th, I'm in. <sighs> Next time you're in a really bad mood, when everywhere you look, the glass is half empty, when nothing's going your way, when you're so far from being in the zone that you've forgotten what the zone looks like, <laughs> you're just so miserable... And you have every right to be. Next time that happens, let's just keep on being miserable. See, you're expecting me to say something else, but nope, let's just keep on being miserable. Okay, I am going to say something else. Good, good, good. Next time you're feeling that way, do something completely opposite of how you're feeling. Oh, that's so hard, but do it. Here's Bible teacher Brad Gray of walkingthetext.com. I remember about six months ago, I woke up and I was kind of having this, you know, oh, poor me kind of day. And I was just highlighting all the things that weren't going well. And I was just really discouraged in the midst of all of that. And I had like no gratitude. And it was almost like I had this moment where the spirit just kind of hit me across the head and said, so how can you be grateful today? Now, I generally don't catch this. Like, generally just ruins my mood for the whole day and everybody suffers as a part of it and me as well. And it's just, but this was a moment where I feel like it was a grace gift because I recognized just how negative my attitude was. And it was almost like God was challenging me to go, okay, so how are you going to be creative today? 
How are you going to demonstrate gratitude? Not just say you're grateful, but what does it look like to demonstrate it? And so I was kind of thinking about this and I go, you know what? There are four people that I've never met who have had a huge impact on my life. I'm just going to shoot them a short video and send it to them. And so I pulled out a camera that was like five or six years old. The audio is terrible, but I just threw it on a tripod and I just spent five minutes for each of these four people and addressed them individually and talked about how their work had influenced and impacted me even though we had never met. And then I jumped onto the companies that they're part of and, and I just sent off, in some cases, the info email, right? Info at so-and-so. And I just said, hey, can you get this to so-and-so? And I was shocked because one of them, in fact, of the four that I sent out, three sent me back responses, one within two hours. And this was a top CEO for a major company in Silicon Valley. And they just wrote me back and said, listen, I've never had anybody do something like this for me. I just want to extend my gratitude to you for your gratefulness for how I've been able to impact your life. And it was just, I was like, oh my goodness, like we need to live with gratitude, not just because of what we get in return, but just the sense of positive things, just a positive perspective in the midst of what's going on and being reminded that there is so much that we can be grateful for, that we don't want to lose sight of that because when we do have to address those things aren't going well, they're just put into a different light when we can be grounded in gratitude. I love that we have the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit helps us to do stuff that we don't feel like doing. I love Brad's story. I remember as a kid, my parents, for some reason, they just felt like they needed to teach me to give thanks no matter what happens. I don't remember the moment they taught me that, but they taught me to give thanks no matter what. And so I was in fifth grade trying out for Little League, and... I made the cut. I was on the team. And then all of a sudden, Billy Swiderick was walking away, and he had been on the team the last year, and the coach had overlooked him. And he said, Billy, come back. And he said to me, Perry, you're going to have to play in the minor leagues again for me. And I was just so devastated. I remember walking home. I remember exactly where I was at, at the Western Avenue football field, for Sheboygan Chiefs, and, you know, there's the track that goes around the field, mm-hmm. and I was on the track, and the charcoal, I can I can just remember walking on the charcoal and just crying, just sobbing as a, as a 10-year-old, saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> okay, I know this is not the point of your story, but I just have to say it. Like, could this coach not, is there like no wiggle room? Like things are so tight in Sheboygan with 10-year-old boys that he couldn't let one more boy be on the team for one year because he made a mistake? You know, he didn't have a whole lot of imagination. Good grief. <laughs> Poor kid. But, but That's the way we roll in Sheboygan. Right. No mercy, man. But the cool point of the story is, that it's a moment that you remember from your childhood where in the midst of hardship, Mm -hmm. you were praising God, 10-year-old little boy. I just want to hug that little Perry. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps you're familiar with Lee Strobel. He's written The Case for Christ, Case for Faith, Case for Creator, a lot of those books. He became an atheist, I believe, when he was in ninth grade. He was an intelligent kid. He had tough questions, but no one answered his tough questions. No one welcomed his doubts. 
Eventually, Lee, because of his intelligent mind, God gave him. He was able to work through that there's great evidence for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and he gave his life over to Jesus. But I find it sad that no one welcomed his questions when he was young. So if you're a parent or a youth leader, we need to welcome the doubts of our kids, of the youth we work with. If we really have the truth, then the truth can handle any doubt our kids have. The truth can handle any doubt you might have. Here's Mark Job. He's the president of Moody Bible Institute. As doubts assault our faith, our faith either crumbles or our faith gets stronger. Let me tell you, there's a lot of college students, kids that grow up and in Sunday school, they believe everything their Sunday school teacher tells them about the Bible without questioning it because they're children and they believe adults. When they enter into their teenage years, sometimes they start asking questions. And some parents shut kids down right away if they ask questions about faith. I would say encourage questions about faith. If your 14-year-old son comes up to you someday and says, Well, Dad, how do we know really God is truly there? Have you ever seen God? Don't say, Shut up, son. Stop talking heresy. You're going to be struck by a bolt of lightning. No, 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 no. Engage your son in conversation. I believe that the Bible is not so weak and feeble that we cannot assault it with every criticism and doubt that comes its way, that the Bible stands strong and solid like a fortress. I remember when my, when my son asked me when he was young and he said, Dad, but how do we know there's a God? I mean, how do we really know he's there? And we happened to be by a window and it was windy outside. And I saw some trees blowing in the wind, and I said, Son, how do you know there is wind outside today? And he said, Well, because I see it. I said, Do you really see it? Do you see the wind? He said, Well, the trees are moving. I know, but you see the trees moving, but do you see the wind? He said, Well, no, I don't see the wind, but I see what the wind does. I said, Aha, exactly. You haven't seen God, but we see what God has done. We see what God is doing. Now, that's not going to convince a militant atheist or skeptic, but, I mean, it's great to talk with your kid about, you know, simple analogies like that. You know, when my kids were little, I showed them a ring. I said, where's the beginning and where's the end of this ring? And, of course, there's no beginning and no ending. And that was just a simple way of describing that God is from eternity past to eternity future. And we just need to be able to welcome the doubts of our kids. And, and it's okay to not have the answer, yeah. but to say, hey, let's find this out together. I know my son Taylor, he, in college, he just went through a long season of doubt. And his doubt wasn't really with the reliability of the evidence, but his doubt was, man, I don't feel God in the way that others seem to feel God. I don't feel his presence. Maybe all of this is false. And that season was just, you know, listening to him and walking with him through those doubts and, and welcoming it, not trying to fix it. And having doubts is not just a, it's not just for young in the faith. It's not just for young people. Yeah. I mean, we all have doubts. You, you might be a strong believer in Christ and have an intimate relationship with him and have a thought into your mind, you yeah. know, on a Tuesday afternoon at two o'clock that maybe this is all just not what I thought it was. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's just reality. Yeah, I that happens to me. Yeah. That happens to me even now in my life. Is all of this really true? 
you know, and I, I have to go back to the pillars and posts of my faith to use that phrase. But, but Jack Haben, our station manager and buddy is with us. And, and Jack, I know in college you went through a time of incredible doubt and a dark night of the soul. And you had a guy who just welcomed your doubts. You know, I wonder what would have happened if no one would have welcomed your doubts. Yeah, that's a that's a really good question, Perry. Um, and actually, my story is similar to your son Taylor's because it was I was married, mm. and what messed me up was a philosophy class. Okay, um, thinking yeah. about all of the things that these guys did throughout their lives, and they were dead serious about that. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if that's true, because a lot of it was not epistemology, and all these things were were just not true. But I thought, man, how do I know for sure that what I believe is true? Yeah, that was the question. So, what were these philosophers saying that, that made oh you question? Uh, I mean, just were they were they non-believing philosophers for the most part? Yeah. So you were you were hearing these guys who were really intelligent saying, "I don't I don't know," or "I don't even think there's right. a God." Different worldviews. Yeah, yeah. And that already was popping up. So, yeah, my friend who was a, uh, an associate pastor came alongside and walked with me through the process. Mm-hmm. I asked a lot of people. I asked people. I, I remember being on a ski lift. And I was talking to somebody who said, do you ever doubt your faith? Mm. Nah. Thinking, yeah. What do you mean, nah? <laughs> so, yeah, and then it makes it, you don't want to share that you have those yes. doubts because yes. you're like, oh, do I come across as weak? Does it, you know, yes. do I, they've got something that I don't have? Yes. Yeah. And my friend pointed me to the Gospel of John and also First John where I just, it was right there. The stake yeah. was planted yeah. and I said, yeah, this makes perfect sense. And it was so good that he was there to welcome your doubts. and Thanks, Dennis. Yeah. And when you wrestle with those things, you know, that that wrestling, right, and then that reading of the scripture, that becomes a post. Exactly. Right? Mm. You were talking about going back to the post. So when you have is. moments where those fleeting doubts come your way and you go, is all of this just hogwash? Is Jesus really who he said he was? And everything I've committed my life to, is it true? We go back to those moments where we questioned yeah. and we got answers. The pillars and posts. Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.